Good morning. We get to the part where the kids love and get, they get to leave. They don't have to bear with Pastor Tony. But I want to thank you all uh, for coming. And I especially want to thank our brothers and sisters from Water's Edge. I appreciate you all being here. And I certainly appreciate the praise team. That, that was the first time they've uh, worked together and they did a, a, an excellent job. Amen. Leave us in praise and worship. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we've come before you, remembering you, remembering, as our pastor Rory has spoken to us, that your body was broken, you spilled out your blood. We're connected. Lord, thank you that a group of people who barely know each other, many who have just met, can come together as brothers and sisters, united because of the faith that you've given us, the faith that you've called us to. So, Lord, in these next moments, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to tarry here with us. Keep us united. Father, let your word be brought forth. Father, so that we leave here differently than when we came in. Let your word have its effect on each and every one of us. Father, whether we've been in your word for a long time, whether we're veterans of the faith or whether we're new or maybe we haven't even become born again yet. Father, I pray that your word would be brought forth and it would produce those things that you've purposed and planned from eternity past. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 We're going to start in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Very familiar. I know there's a lot of folks in here who are familiar with the scriptures and certainly even our young people will be familiar with this one. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? And, and so many of us, I mean, we know what this means, and it's, it's great. It's a very basic, and I, I can tell you right now, we're going to have to do something about this long-term, Pastor Rory, because this is a trap waiting for me to be... <laughs> it's not going to be moving. But anyway, but, but you know, it's, it's just so... No, 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 we're good, Mike. It's just something that um, we almost are... It's, it's, we've, we're inoculated with it. It doesn't mean the same thing that maybe it should uh, mean to us, or it doesn't. It's it's almost as if it's it's been rehearsed so many times that we really don't give it a lot of thought. Or, but anyway, having said all that, we're going to now jump into Hebrews eleven, beginning in verse one. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the words that the worlds, excuse me, were formed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. See, I, I, I just wanted to carry that, that next verse in there, because so many times we, we, we look at the definition of faith, or what we uh, think is the total definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But we forget, you know, it carries... What, it, what all it means and what it actually carries. So verse 3, we understand by faith that the worlds were formed by the Word of God. How do we understand that? By faith. You know, there's always that, you know, how, how were the worlds formed? How were the ages laid out? You know, it was the Ancient of Days. It was, it was God who spoke everything into existence, who had a plan, who, who has determined from eternity past, how eternity all the way would, would work out, how it would be, what it would be like. He's already there. The thing that we're going to, the thing that we're walking toward, He's already there. But do I really carry that around with me to understand that? Jump into Second Corinthians now, 5, 6, 
And I'm going to go real fast. Madeline got me the first time I preached at Water's Edge. Man, you, you must be an auctioneer because I hear so many scriptures. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. So we are always confident, always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. See, now, in a little bit more context to that walk by faith, not by sight. See, there's this confidence that we have. There's this confidence. And if you look at, at, at the definition in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says the substance of things hoped for. There's this confidence that we have. That substance, if you look, go back and you look, it, it's, it's confidence. The things that we hope for, the promises that God has made us, the things that, that we read about in the Word, we have confidence. We're just not hoping that someday it's going to happen. You know, maybe, you know, if I hold my mouth just right or if I do this or that just right, if I earn enough favor with God, this will happen. Or, you know, maybe I'll do the Dorothy thing. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. You, no, it does not work that way. We know that. Amen. How do we know that? He just said it. Amen. He just said it. So we should be confident. Are we confident? Are we really confident? So when we're walking by faith and not by sight, are we truly confident in the things that we're hoping for, that we're looking forward to? Amen. Why should we be confident? Second Corinthians 5.5, 5, back up just a little bit. He who has prepared us for this very thing, for what very thing? Eternity. Who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. There's one reason why we should be confident. Here's one of the substances that we have that we can hang on to, that we can just automatically tag and know. His Spirit. God gave us His Spirit. Amen? His Spirit is in us all who are born again, bearing witness with our Spirit that what? That we've received of Him. We received the Spirit of adoption. We are sons and daughters of God. Amen? Bearing witness with our Spirit. So, why should we be confident? There's one reason to be confident right there, isn't it? Come on now. Help me preach just a little bit. So I, I, I've looked at some examples and, I, and certainly want to tie it in with where we are today, obviously. This word is relevant for, it will be relevant for eternity. So now, as we uh, look, I, I, I really what came to mind in heart, and I studied it out just a little bit, and it's a story that we're all familiar with in Second Kings, where the Syrian king, was um, so frustrated because every time he set a trap for the Israelis, they knew about it. How did they know about it? God had his man, right? Elijah. Elijah was, was receiving from God. He was in relationship with God. He, was, he, he, was not, he not only knew the law, the word, the, he, he, my brothers and sisters, he was connected to God, as we all know. He stayed connected with God. And so God was giving him revelation. So every time that they would set a trap, the Syrians would set a trap, he would go and he would let the king of Israel know, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. So the Syrian king became so frustrated, he said, okay, which one of you guys is the Vlachi? Who's squealing? And so one of them spoke up and said, no, 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 listen, there's this guy, this prophet, and he's telling the, the king of Israel everything that you say in the privacy of your own bedroom. Go and find him, the king says. Go and find him. Get him. Dead. His whole family, dead. Kids, dead. No. Different, different situation. Go and find him. So they found him 
in Dothan, and they encamped around him. Amen? So we know this story. My brothers and sisters, the, um, the servant of the prophet gets up in the morning, goes out, and he sees the army of the Syrians have, has the town surrounded. Now, he gets a little bit nervous. He probably, you know, probably reacted like a lot of us would. This is it. This is it, right? So he runs and he tells Elijah. And so I'm going to pick up the reading now in verse 16 of 2 Kings 6. So he answered, he being Elisha, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So now we know what the problem was. What was the problem? Well, he he had probably a bad sight. He probably could see the army of the Syrians close by and the army of the Lord was, had them surrounded. They were a little farther off. So he, was, he, had, he had problems with his eyesight. Of course not. We know that. That's, no, no. Listen, what is he saying when he's saying open his eyes? Spiritualize. Open his eyes. Open his eyes. Let him see some things. Amen? See, my brothers and sisters, that's, I think that's part of our problem. Part of our problem, we don't have confidence in the things that God has promised us. Therefore, it doesn't translate into this walk that we should be walking because sometimes we're shaken or we take a little bit of a diversion, compromise just a little bit because maybe we don't have you know, just the, the, the right amount of confidence that you know, this is going to work out the way God said it would. So, so we just short step it just a little bit or, or just take a little bit of a diversion here or there. No, we, we need eyes to see. Amen? We need eyes to see what's, what's really happening. Now, there are so many things. We look in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is filled with such things where God was doing so many supernatural things on behalf of Israel. So many. And then even in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, you see Jesus doing so many miraculous things. And you see you know, people amazed. And, 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 and it's just... And I, but, but we don't see it as much today. So... There must be a reason for that. So I look and I continue to study this out. I, I go to John chapter 11. And, and again, some, something that we're all familiar with, the raising of the dead of Lazarus. So we know that um, Jesus is, is ministering and in another town and um, they send somebody from Lazarus' house in Bethany and they say, your friend Lazarus is very sick. And so we have Jesus tarries and he hangs out. And he hangs out for four days. And then Lazarus, of course, dies. And so we know because we see the end of the story. But remember, they're seeing in that time, in that element. They don't, they don't know the end of the story. We do. We have that advantage. But put yourself in their position. You know, how would you feel? What would you think? Right? So Jesus basically says to them, you know, I'm glad that this, that this happened so that God can be glorified. He's sleeping. Our, our brother Lazarus sleeps. I'm going to read to you. Our friend Lazarus sleeps. This is John 11, 9, 11. Jesus answered, are, you, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. See, when he said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, I said, good, maybe he'll get some rest, he'll recover. 
And then Jesus had to explain to them, no, 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 he's dead. But this is, this is something that had to happen. God is going to be glorified in this. But as you go through that story, and we know that Jesus walks, as Jesus is walking into town, Martha says, Lord, if you would have been here, I know my brother would not have died. Nevertheless, she says, I know that whatever you ask right now, it will be done. And so Jesus says to her, do you believe that your brother will be raised? She said, yeah, in the resurrection, in the resurrection, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Right? They who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And anyone who believes in me shall never die. My brothers and sisters, he goes into town, he goes where the tomb is, roll away the, oh Lord, this is Martha. This is Martha. She already has expressed something. Man, if you would have been here, now when I first, when I first read that when I was a young Christian, is she giving him the business? Man, why did you delay? Why did you tarry? You could have came and you could have healed him and he wouldn't have died. But she backed it up. She said, but even though I know that whatever you ask, it will be done. So she's professing a faith. She's professing a confidence that she has in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So now watch. So so watch. So now they get to the tomb. He says, roll away the stone. And she's the one that speaks up and says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. That's not going to be a pleasant odor. Now, why is that an issue? Well, I don't know that it's an issue, but, but this is the same one that said, well, wait, you can do anything. Anything can be done by you. And now she's worried about the odor. How many times do we get caught up in some details or the minutia of things? If it's not laid out just perfectly according to what we think, what we know, our senses, then we're ready to go ahead and say, well, maybe this isn't going to work out or maybe this isn't what the Lord had planned. No, no, no. Get, forget the senses. It's, it's not supposed to make sense. It does, it's, you know, that's, that's the thing, because remember now, we're not walking by sight or by smell or by any of the senses, right? We're walking by faith. We have confidence. She expressed a confidence in Jesus, but now maybe the natural takes over. If you roll that stone away, something is going to happen. There's going to be a funk that rolls out of that thing, and... Maybe she thought that Jesus would just go ahead and make him and he would kind of just walk through. I don't know. And it's really not that important except to say, I'm not going to worry about those little details that may make me feel uncomfortable. Come on. There are those things that you will not do, that you will not say, that you will not have complete, listen, that you will not have complete confidence in because it may make you look a little bit bad in front of other people. Or it may not be, you know, just that, that comfort zone that you want to live in. It may, or it may stretch you just a little bit. It may, may look bad. It may smell bad. It may not be totally lined up with what you had in mind it was supposed to look like. Hallelujah. And we know the end of that story. It's an awesome thing, right? But then I also think about another guy. Another guy who went to Jesus, and this is Luke chapter 8. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, I know his name is Jarius. I may say Jarius a time or two. Don't, don't run me an email. Don't talk to me after service. I know his name is Jarius, but I've been saying Jarius so long. But it, all right? I'm an old guy. Don't let the boyish looks fool you. But, but, but now, right, right, hang with me. In Luke chapter 8, there's this Jarius. He's the leader of the synagogue. It's Jarius. He's the leader of the synagogue, and he, his daughter is very sick. He has a 12-year-old daughter who is very sick. You can leave that off for now. He's very sick. She is very sick. She's about to die. 
So he goes to Jesus. And Jesus basically comforts him, sues him, and he's, he's about to go. Now, during this process, that when, when he was bringing Jesus to go to heal his daughter, this is when he was being thronged by the crowd. And he's being thronged by this crowd, and, and the, the people are pressing in, and they're all around him. This is Jesus. He's performed the signs and wonders. He's, you know, this is Jesus, the Messiah. Some believe, some didn't, but this is Jesus. And that's when that woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years presses in. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. So she touches the hem of his garment and he's healed. And, you know, those of you who have been with me, I mean, this just, just like they reacted, I would have probably reacted the same way. Jesus says, who touched me? And the apostles say, Lord, who didn't touch you? Everybody's touching you. Right? Who didn't touch you? It'd be easier to find out who didn't than who did. So, who touched me? I felt the strength. I felt the virtue leave my body because she was totally healed. And then she knew that she was found out. How did she know? Because he said, something happened. And so she knew she was found out and so she confessed. It was me. And he said to her, your faith has made you whole. Your faith, your faith. See, Jesus didn't even know who it was. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't do this mighty dance. And she didn't get slain out in the spirit. None of the hokey pokey, the showy stuff. This was genuine faith in action. She approached the living word of God in faith. And something supernatural, spiritually, she was touched. She had confidence. And she received, by faith, her healing. But in the meantime, you have Jarius. (laughs) I I mean, what do you say about this poor guy? I mean, his daughter is is dying. And and now he's saying, you know, come with me. Come, Come with me. Come on, let's go. And Jesus is going. He's on his way. But see, now, while, you know, after Jesus did that, while they were still speaking, somebody from Jairus' house comes and they say, your daughter's died. Leave the master alone. It's, it's all over. It wasn't all over as far as Jesus was concerned. In Luke 8, 49 and 50, while he was still speaking, someone came uh, from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not, be tr- do not trouble the teacher. But then Jesus heard it and he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Look, look. Complete. I mean, you've got to be in a different zone. You have to be prepared. She's dead. She's dead. How much confidence could the man have? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just believe. She'll be made well. I, I love, see, if, if it were me, when all of that crowd is around Jesus and my daughter is about to die and Jesus is stopping, he's getting hung up, I'm grabbing him by the arm. I'm saying, come on. Come on. I, my little girl. Come on. You know, how many of you fathers or mothers? You know. Jarius did not do that. Come on, we got a time is of the essence here. My little girl is about to die. You can relate. Time is of the essence here. This is important. 
Is it possible, my brothers and sisters, that because Jarius waited on the Lord, those of us who have been studying together the last two weeks, the message was, wait on the Lord. So is it possible because Jarius waited on the Lord, not just thinking about his own need in that moment, is it, is it possible because he was able to, to just go ahead and just trust, just go ahead and wait on the Lord? Was it, is, it, is it possible that because of that, he got to see this miracle? Amen. He saw a miracle. And so now he sees this, this, this miracle, and not, not just any old miracle. This was a woman who was unclean. She was breaking the law by being out there and certainly, let alone, touching the teacher, touching the master. She was breaking every social and every religious moray that they had. But she didn't care. She did that. So now you have Jarius who witnesses this. I, I think this is God strengthening Jarius' faith. I, or Jar. Russ, whatever he's called. I think it's him strengthening his faith. He's giving him confidence. He's building his confidence. Why? Because he's, he's in this position right now. Instead of grabbing on and saying, no, you, not right now, teacher, we gotta go. He's willing to wait on the Lord. Now, I'm not trying to take, uh, make something out of nothing here. Because I do believe that, in my heart, I do believe that by witnessing that miracle, by seeing all of that thing happen before his eyes, when Watch. So they go. Right? Just believe. He's got now. He's don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And so they're going. And when they get there, there's all of the mourners, family members, I'm sure, people in the neighborhood. They're mourning and all this. Now when Jesus goes in... He's getting rid of him. He only takes Peter, James, and John with him, his closest apostles, right? But he, on his way in, he says, she's only sleeping. She's only sleeping. And they ridiculed him, they being the people. They knew she was dead, but they ridiculed him. Now, look, I'm not going to get into a big theological study here, but it was part, well, he meant that she was, you know, he, Jesus talks about sleeping being dead. No, he was saying that because he didn't want anybody to go on out of there just preaching that to the mountaintop so that it wasn't time. The timing was not right for him to be recognized in that moment as Messiah. It wasn't, he, he, was, he was walking this thing out. Man, it shows you know, this compassion that Jesus had. Because now it's not in that, just like when his mother asked him to turn the water into wine. They've got a problem here. Well, just do whatever he says. Wait, hey, it's not my time, Mom. You, this is not, this is not. But he, he showed compassion and he honored his mother. Whatever he says, do. And so he did something, even though it was kind of out of time. Now, my brothers and sisters, he's saying to them, don't say anything to anybody, in effect. And he brings only those three in there and the mom and dad. He could not have any doubt or disbelief in there. He went in there, he took his closest apostles and mom and dad, and dad showed some faith, some confidence, some courage. There was some substance there. Faith, what? What is faith? Uh Uh-oh, let's go back. Faith is... (laughs) 
The confidence in things, confidence in things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the evidence is, listen, he's, he's got evidence. The evidence is substance. There's this foundation for what you believe. The stuff that you don't see, but there's a foundation. You're not just believing something because you have this mental picture of what you want it to be. It's not this mental thing that the Word of Faith teaches. Well, if you just believe this in your mind and in your heart and you meditate on that enough, it's going to happen. Anything that you want, the Santa Claus God is going to give it to you because you have this faith. And if you're good enough and you walk the straight line good enough, God is going to bless you and you're going to have whatever you want. It does, no, that's not true. That's, that's not true. This evidence of things not seen. It's this word of God and the spirit of God inside us. We have evidence of these things that we don't see. We have evidence. Jesus has given us evidence. He's given us his word, you see. He's put his spirit in us, you see. So we have evidence. It's just not this pie in the sky thing that we're hoping that it's going to happen. No. We've got evidence. There's a firm foundation. There's some pillars. There's some support for these things that we believe that we don't see. Amen. You know, I know some of you would, would say yes and amen. I, believe, I say it this way. I heard a guy say this one time, and I admire it. He said, uh, someone approached him one time, and he said, come on, do you really believe that Jonah, a man, was inside a whale's belly? This is how he responded. I love it. He says, let me tell you this. If God's word said that the whale was inside the man's belly, I would believe that. <laughs> awesome. So now, look at Either you're, either you're going to look at it like you're crazy. That guy probably looked at him and you're nuts. Or, hmm, either way, it doesn't matter. That's what we know. If God's word says it, then it's true then it's true. And see, that's, that's what our faith has to be. That's the evidence. And we can have confidence. We, we know, we, we, we expect it. It's like, and it's the substance, right? We have the title deed to it. We, we own it already. Jarius. Man, I couldn't imagine that, that how his heart must have been torn apart. So we go back again to Hebrew. By faith, you know, we have all of that list, the roll call of faith, right? There's some more evidence. Isn't that right? If you go to Hebrews 11, as it continues through there, it gives you the evidence of the patriarchs, of the faith that they had, and God moved on their behalf. Doesn't it? Come on, somebody back me up here. Am I making this up, pastors? It's there. Read it. Dust off the dust when you get home and look up Hebrews chapter 11, and, and what I'm telling you, find out it's true. Listen, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's the roll call of faith. So there's more evidence for us. God is not a respecter of person. He did it in the Old Testament. For grace. He did it in the Old Testament. He parted the Red Sea. He did all of those miraculous things. Man, he rewarded those who sought him by faith. And that's what I, I, what's what's out. I'm only going to read to you one of those examples. Because this one stuck out to me, and I hope it means something to you as well. In Hebrews eleven five and 6, here's what it says. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. Hey, I'm going to pause here real quick. I want to tell you something. Giant to know, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a I'm, I'm a pre-trib. I, I'm going to be raptured before the great trib. Some of y'all can hang around if you want to, but I'm not. I'm out of here before the great tribulation. So now watch. He was taken up. 
He wasn't seen anymore. He was taken up. That's what's going to happen. Some people, and I believe in the not-too-distant future, we're just going to be taken up, those of us who were born again. And it was not found because God had taken him up. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God may, no, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So watch. You must believe that he is. Oh, big deal, Tony. You know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think that he was God. Or, big deal, Tony. I mean, there's a lot of people who acknowledge that there's a God. Yeah, but what are they doing with that? You, can, it's, you know, I used to do that. Before I was born again, I said, man, I believe in God. And I'm a decent guy. If the good outweighs the bad, I'll stand before him. Everything is going to be okay. Right? I used to think that. Or, you know, then in the faith that I was brought up in, hey, if he catches me uh, on Sunday after I get out of church, I'm golden. I just confessed my sins. I'm, I'm golden. I'm not trying to make fun or, you know, cast dispersions on anybody. But that's the way I thought. But now that we're born again and we see in the church or we see the church actually on the decline, I mean, is it really? Do we really and honestly in our hearts acknowledge that he is God? And if so, then why do we still run our own lives? Sounds to me like maybe I'm God. I'm making all the decisions. I'm walking according to what I see. I'm walking according to what I smell. I'm walking according to... Hey, do you all remember the tale of two gardens? Right? We've had... Remember, I, I think both churches heard this one. We had... Listen, we had the Garden of Eden. We had the Garden of Gethsemane. But in between that, we had the wilderness. And in that wilderness, the enemy of your soul and mine tried to do the same thing to Jesus that he did to Adam and Eve. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. So now, if the enemy of our soul tried it on Jesus, you don't think he'll try it on you? He's doing it all the time. So now, if we're walking by sight, we're walking by our flesh, our feelings, our senses, we're still God. So, again, you have to... It it starts there. Where? This is so... I struggled with this because I know I have elders in here, men of God, people who studied the Word, even young people who are very learned in the Scriptures. I know that. This is so basic. But my brothers and sisters, if we were practicing this in earnest, if we were really going after it, not, again, I'm not accusing anyone, so don't leave out here, ah, Pastor Tony, he's this, he's that. No, listen, what I'm saying though, as a rule, in general, if we were practicing this, then the church would not still be on the decline. Some of the young people who are, who are being surveyed and they're saying they see the hypocrisy in the church. That's one of the things that are dissuading them from being a, a Christian, joining a Christian um, church, well, or becoming a Christian, I should say. But, but my brothers and sisters, I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to cast any aspersions. I'm not trying to accuse anybody. But generally, as a rule, do we really believe that he is God? And if we do, are we operating that way? Are we still God? I'm I'm still in charge. I'm still making the decisions according to me. What What did Jarius actually see? Here's what he saw. He saw a woman who was so determined, so confident. She must have heard Jesus preach. 
She must have heard about his signs, wonders, and miracles. She, she, she was so confident that she was willing to take a chance and break the law and go out there. And she knew in her heart, the Bible tells us very clearly, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just... Now, this woman had tried everything. It's said that she spent all of her money with doctors and, and doing everything she could to be healed. But she now is confident. She had no reason to be confident other than she saw him. She saw the living word. And there was something inside of her that bore witness with her spirit. And it told her, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. Confidence. Bold and bold confidence. So bold, so confident, so substantive that she was willing to break the law to do it. She, they, my brothers and sisters, man, sometimes we're ashamed to, to bring up the name of Jesus when we're around certain people. I know people, and it breaks my heart when they're around me, they're one way, and then let someone else join the little crowd, and their language changes. Amen? The language changes. I mean, the whole, it's so sad. It's so sad. It doesn't even make me mad anymore. It makes me sad. Why is this such a basic, such a rudimentary message? My brothers and sisters, we need to have confidence. We need to be bold. Jarius sees this, this woman. He sees the boldness. He sees the confidence. Don't be afraid. Well, now I've got a reason not to have fear. Now I've got a reason to believe. Yeah, but you're, you're saying, Tony, that he saw something. Yeah, he did. Remember, he didn't have the Holy Ghost. He wasn't born again. He didn't have the Spirit inside of him yet bearing witness with his Spirit that he was the Son of God. You do. You do. If you are born again, you have evidence. You have some solid stuff going on inside of you. You should be confident. And you shouldn't waver when you get around different people. Don't worry about it. Be confident. Are you going to suffer some persecution? Yes. And it's going to get worse. So look, it's going to get worse. So if you're not prepared now, if you don't have pastors like Rory, like me, like some other pastors that we know that are just willing to tell you, look, it's not all peaches and cream. It's, it's, it, no, the truth is that it's going to get tough. But Jesus told us that. And he told us, look, you can have confidence even in the middle of your bad situation. Why? Because I've already beat it. I've already given you the victory over it. Yeah, but I'm not feeling that way right now. But we're walking by sight. We need to be walking by faith. So again, such a simple verse that we've known since we've been you know, going to church. But it has to get down inside of us. You have to have confidence. You have to know that it's based on not pie in the sky, not a hope somewhere out there, that it's already done. He's already given us the victory. How do I know that? You're smart. Amen. (laughs) No, because Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. I'm in Him. I'm an overcomer. I can have faith. So now watch. What's the evidence? Do I have anything that I could be confident about? Is there any substance there? Yeah, yeah. You know what? They beat him mercilessly. They beat him beyond recognition. He, listen, I get this picture. Thank you. I, I get this picture. When Jesus 
when they were going to nail him to the cross, you know when they nailed people to the cross how much they must have resisted when they were grabbing their hands and they were, you know, do you know that I know that Jesus just stretched them out. Hallelujah. Evidence, substance, foundation, solid stuff. What? Because three days after they put him in that grave, he came out alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look, do I have confidence? Is there substance? Is there foundation there? Is there something that I can really be bold? Not cocky. No, no, no. I'm not going to be one of the... Hey, you know Jesus? You better get right. No. No, no, no. Or look what God's done for me. Or, you know, I could... I, the Spirit has given me all these gifts and these... You know, I'm a preacher. Or what. Big deal. No. Humble. He humbled Himself. I humble myself. But I'm bold and I'm confident that in the middle of a bad situation, I'm going to make it. Why? Because I'm special? No, because He's special. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's special. So now, I want to go back real quick. Can you give me just three or four more minutes? They took a little long, so I'm going to take a little I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Listen, Revelation. Revelation. Chapter 3. I'm just going to read you like three verses, okay? This was to the, the, the church of the Laodiceans. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white, and white garments and that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Well, we're walking by faith, not by sight, Tony. Well, remember, right? Remember Elijah. Open his eyes, Lord. Open his eyes so that he could see beyond this natural that he could see supernatural, so that he could see what's true, what's real, what's eternal. See, remember the tale of two gardens. Jesus didn't sell short. He knew. You obey the word of God. It is written, he always told the enemy of our soul. Every time he was tempted, it is written. It is written. It is written. And it's not like he wasn't hungry. And it's not like he wasn't in need of something to put in his belly. And it's not like he could have just told that enemy, you know who I am, get away from me. He didn't, did he? Didn't get all bold and cocky like that. He remained humble. He remained obedient. And he said, it is written. Hallelujah. Man, he, he modeled that for me. So, but I need to see that. I need to see the, the spiritual, I need to see that that's truth. No matter what I see in this realm, I have to have my eyes opened up to his realm, to the spiritual realm. And, you know, my brothers and sisters, you, we've got to remember, are you seeking the Lord diligently? Let, let's, how do I do that? How, how do I do it? How do I, how do I get that, Tony? Hey, all right, I, I heard your message. I'm hoping that something that I've said has stirred you on the inside. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm hoping that something that i said has, has stirred you on the inside. But now let's take this apart just a little bit. Are you seeking the Lord diligently? Come on now. There's many people in here who say that they're born again. You're Christians. So, okay. Are you seeking the Lord diligently? I'm not asking you for my sake. Because that's the only way that you're going to be able to please God. You've got to seek Him diligently. 
Are you willing to wait on him? See, a lot of times we'll seek God and we'll, we'll go after him and we'll pray and we'll pray for about five or ten minutes and then wait and see what happens. And if it doesn't happen within the next day or two, it didn't work. No, I'm not trying to be funny. Listen, I've been there. Come on. I'm not, I'm not saying something to you that I haven't experienced myself. I'm being totally transparent with you. Hey, maybe that's why I don't have a lot of people in the church. <laughs> but think about that for one moment. Isn't that how we operate? To a degree. We're like the church of Laodicea. We're comfortable with a lot of things. We're used to getting things. Just put out a little bit of money or smooth somebody or do this or do that and you get what you want. And we're so happy about, listen, we're so happy about the things that we're accomplishing in the secular world. We've got money. No? Well, we've got the house. We've got the car. We've got things. We're comfortable. But now if something happens that's beyond that money can't buy, we'll go to the Lord. And we should. We should. But I read a little something in there that says, Seek ye the kingdom of God and His righteousness, right standing with Him. And all of these things will be added to you. He'll give them to you, but you've got to seek Him first. And stop, you know, don't worry about being comfortable. Don't worry, you know, don't look at the things that you do or do not have and compare yourself to somebody else. So are you willing to wait for the things that you're praying for? Are you willing to wait on the Lord to instruct you? Are you willing to wait for the Lord to direct your path, to direct your steps? Are you willing to wait for that? Or do you have to have the answer right now? And if it doesn't work, I'm calling Pastor Rory. He'll have the answer. He might. He might. But he might just say, let's pray together and seek the Lord. And you're going to think, I already did that. Didn't work. Well, he's the pastor. It might work for him. No. No. Hallelujah. He's no respecter of person. Are you like the Laodicean people? Are you comfortable? Are you happy? Are you looking for things to make you happy so you're not seeking the Lord in everything and seeking Him first? So you can't even see the supernatural. You can't even see with spiritual eyes. There's one more scripture I'm going to read. Just write it down and and look it up later. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which, which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You hear that? The natural man does not receive the, the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. Right? Okay, Tony, you know, you're... What are you talking about? Man, just like... Jarius, or Jairus, he saw the Word of God. He saw the living Word of God. He saw the living Word of God. He saw the power of the Spirit move without Jesus even touching that woman, he saw something supernatural. He received that. 
because he was willing to go in, seek out the Lord, willing to wait for him, and willing to take his instruction. Anybody in here like that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just bow your heads for a moment. I'm not big on all this stuff. I mean, you could look up. They looked up when they pray. You do whatever you want to do. Okay, let's just do it that way. But I just, can, can you please listen? I never want to leave a meeting like this because I don't know all of you. Um, but the Bible tells us that we must be born again. Born of water, born of spirit. We must be born again. Now listen, if you're not sure if you're born again, then you're not. And I don't mean that to be ugly. But it's incumbent upon people like Rory and I who are pastoring churches and who have people who come and go out of our doors all the time. We're responsible. So I don't want you to be uh, take offense to any of this. Well, I've been going to church for umpteen years. Okay, that's great. I'm glad you have. So you know you have some kind of knowledge of the word of God. But are you born again? Because the Bible says you must be born again. Jesus out of his own mouth, you must be born again. I don't even know what that is, Pastor. You know what? That's awesome. See me or Pastor Rory before you leave. And we will help you. Be more than glad to help you. Pray with you and, and, and just teach you and just love on you. And man, there's... So please, don't leave here if that's you. But if you know that you're born again and you know that the Lord has taken a back seat, you're still the Lord over your own life, I wonder if you would come up here and and allow Rory and I to pray with you. Because I sure wish you would. Don't be embarrassed and don't be shy. I'll wait. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.